Oops. Hey, good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. Tonight, we're going to talk about tactical Christianity. Yes, tactical Christianity. I spent a lot of my life between military and law enforcement um, going through things. And we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of the fact that we should be living as someone who is going to be consult, uh, confronting a direct threat. Wait, why don't you uh, give us a definition of tactical? Okay, so when, we, when you talk about um, situations where you're going to be possibly confronting something, there's two ways of looking at it. There's the tactical and strategic. If you're doing strategic planning, you're, you're talking about what ifs or if something happens. Tactical training is meant when you know you have a threat and that threat is active and you have to deal with an active threat. In other words, you know that you have an enemy and you know your enemy is going to attack and then you plan on how to deal with that. And I've got some things I want to get into that a little bit later on. Okay. But so I know, we know that uh, we have an active threat in Satan. I mean, that's... That's uh, and he is actively working. Yes, and we we got the idea of this from our dear friend Tiffany. She gave us three questions, a few of us to things to think about every week. And one of her questions that she gave us, she said, "If the enemy was going to take you out this week, how would he do it?" And then she has in parentheses, "So important that we start learning areas in our lives where the enemy seeks to devour." And and just uh, briefly, what I wrote that the enemy will hit you where you're weakest, where you're not prepared, where you're ignorant. If you don't know the word well, he can use the word against you. He'll help you. He will uh, influence you to question God's goodness, God's promises, what God says to you. He'll question you about anything related to God, like your salvation. He will uh, condemn you. Mm-hmm. He, There's all sorts of ways, and he'll do any of the things that... And we'll, we'll, I yeah, get some ahead. verses on, on talking about that, but we have to remember that Satan is an active threat. He's an active, constant threat to us. First uh, Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour him. To devour Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That tells us two things. Number one, we are all going to be challenged by Satan. Mm-hmm. Everyone throughout, every believer throughout the world is going to be attacked. And number two, it says the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is looking for weak spots. He's looking for areas that we can, um, weak spots openings in our guard, places where he can where he can find a way to wiggle into our into our lives, into our minds, into our spirits. So so looking at a threat assessment, the first thing you have to do is is assess what your threat is capable of, what he okay. does. So I've got a few verses here. Okay. Um, uh, in first John three eight it says Satan was sinning from the beginning. I love that. Hmm, sinning he from was the beginning. sinning from it's the like beginning. Yes. First John what? First John three eight. First John three eight. Yep. Okay. In Second Corinthians, um, another verse I have here. Uh, let me see if I can find it now. Second Corinthians 
Uh, 11.3 says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray. So we know Satan will get into your mind to lead you astray. and says, astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So even as a believer, Satan can get into your mind and lead you astray. Yeah, and and you know what? I want to mention that because if we even look at uh, his conversation with Eve, he... uh, he, from the very get-go, kind of twists what God had said to her, mm-hmm. to, well, to, to Adam, and also questions him. So he gets her, like, off-kilter. Like, he can come from a way that we don't expect and put us on the defensive. Let, can I just say that? Where It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is Satan now, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now he knew God didn't say that, but he's trying to get Eve to catch her up. He's starting He's starting to put thoughts into her mind so that she's going to follow his mm-hmm. logic. And it's, that's the same, how, yeah. it's the same way if someone gets into you with, with some sort of false rhetoric, whether it's a straw man or something like that, where they start leading you into circles mm-hmm. so that you... Your your logic starts to follow their their mindset, and they lead you to what they want you to do, mm-hmm. and they do it in a way that is not necessarily true, but that's, there's enough of it in there that it can take you that direction. And he said, "Surely God didn't say." So he, he acknowledged that God was there and that God spoke to them. So he's doing these things to try and lead you astray. Right. And that um, in John eight forty four, Jesus talks about that. He's talking to the Pharisees at this point, and he says, You belong to your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's another way that Satan can get to us, and it's uh, that's a little insidious. That's not as obvious as a full frontal attack mm-hmm. on someone. He's sneaky. Well, the thing about... If a person is a great liar, and Satan is the father of lies, liars mm-hmm. and lies, there's always some truth in it. So it almost sounds like, well, is that true? And it gets you questioning, even though you know it's not true. It might even sound so right, just a little bit off, but then he also uses, he's he's probably also the father of persuasion, the father of manipulation, because God does not try to persuade us or manipulate us. He, God gives us the truth and loves us, and he lets us decide. And um, I think also with that is that uh, one thing that we need to be aware of where Satan will attack is if we have insecurities within ourselves. Mm-hmm. He'll attack us where we're insecure. He'll yeah. attack us where we're afraid. And if you if uh, if you have a problem, if maybe you're having a trouble with a friendship or a, in your marriage, he knows exactly what's going to get you doubting. He will put that little seed seed doubt seed in you, and if you focus on it, it's going to start growing. And that you know, Satan is um, he's sneaky about the way he does things, but he's not afraid. No. There is no one he won't attack. In Matthew 4, we know that Jesus went through the temptation yes. with Satan, and Satan was quoting the word and all sorts of things. He even went to the Son of God himself and tried to, to, to use his wiles against God. So it, 
there is no real fear of him. And, and the danger with him is that if you open the door and let a little bit in, you get it all. Mm-hmm. And um, in Luke 22, this is, this is a, a sad part here. One of the disciples, in Luke 22, 3, it says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, mm-hmm. one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. He had a weakness. He had problems. He had, he had issues that he had not dealt with. Mm-hmm. So he was open to having Satan take him and use him. And unfortunately, even as believers, we could be uh, used by Satan mm-hmm. instead of by God if we allow him to have control, any mm-hmm. kind of control. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, we don't know why uh, Judas did what he did. But some people think he was just fed up because Jesus wasn't being the Messiah he thought he should be. Wasn't who he was supposed to be. Didn't yeah, fill his, he, he his, did, didn't fill his needs. Yeah, didn't fulfill his expectations of. Mm-hmm. He thought he was going to be this great political Messiah. Instead, he's which in itself is a is a problem. If we if we look at God and we don't look at Him as God being God, mm-hmm. we look at God as someone who does what we want. Mm-hmm. We're going to be disappointed because that's not how God works, and that's not who He is. And that, and that is putting ourselves above Him because our desires then become more important than His desires. And you know what? That's how Satan often uses it. We have expectation. We put expectations on God. We think He's going to come through in a certain way. He doesn't answer our prayer the way we think He should. So then, if we if we have these expectations, and of course they'll fail, fail because. We can't put God in the box. I mean, God is so creative. He'll do it. He always answers our prayers. And, and the Bible says God works all things together for good. Yes. So no matter what is going on in your life, if you're not happy with it, it's okay. God's working for on something. He's going there. Don't, don't let circumstances rule your emotions and then mm-hmm. have your emotions destroy your spiritual life because... Um, oh, Satan would love that. Yeah, that... and. If nothing else, he can destroy your witness. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't steal us from God's. God says, I'm a jealous God and no one will slip through my fingers. He can't steal you, but he can steal your witness. He can affect other people through you. He can affect you so that you lose your joy mm-hmm. in the Lord, um, so that you, you stumble. And he's, he loves to make people stumble. Um, there's a really good article I, I've got here from uh, the BlueLetterBible.org, uh, written by a man named Don Stewart, and it's his. It's titled "When Does Satan Spiritually Attack the Believer?" Mm. And he's got some examples here that I think are really, really good. Uh, the first one says, "After a great spiritual experience," mm. and what we're talking about in Matthew four, Jesus was attacked right after his baptism. That's right. That's right. And Elijah was attacked right after he. Uh, one up against all the Baal prophets. So it's one of those situations where you hit a high point spiritually and then Satan can try and zap you on the backside because you're not looking for... Right, you're just kind of relaxing a little bit. You, you hit that moment and, and you're in that wonderful <sighs> moment. And we all have those times in our spiritual life where we will have highs and lows. And the high points sometimes are just overwhelming emotionally, physically. You just feel it all. And sometimes when we do that, when we release that much, we let down our guard, and that's yeah. when he'll sneak in. Mm-hmm. Another time um, he mentions here is at the beginning of a new spiritual endeavor. Oh, yeah. So right after Jesus was attacked by the devil, he began his public ministry. Mm-hmm. So knowing that he was getting into that ministry, Satan attacked him. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. He attacked him because he was about to step out into something. And Mm -hmm. when we step out into faith, and we're working for the kingdom, we have to expect that the attention of Satan will be increased, Mm -hmm. and uh, the higher profile a target you are, the more likely you're going to get you're going to have a confrontation with him. So that's that's just one more time. Oh, I want to say something. Yes. Also, uh, we have to remember Satan has been around, uh, you know, from way before before mankind. God had made the angels. Okay, so Satan was there. Satan is really smart, mm. and he knows humans, and he also sees how much God loves us, and. He knows how we tick, and he'll use all that to his advantage. Yeah. He is an ent- spiritual entity that we cannot handle without God. Yeah. But with God... I don't really truly believe that anybody without God could stand up to him. But with God, there's no way we can fail. Mm-hmm. So that concept of, of, I'm strong enough, I don't need anybody to help me, that's not going to work for you. Uh, another time that, uh, that this Blue Letter Bible article talks about is when believers are physically vulnerable. Oh, that's true. And that is a very good time for Satan to come after us. If, in a situation where maybe it's an illness, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's um, some sort of physical loss. Maybe you're burned out. All of those things physically, when, when we are emotionally vulnerable, Satan loves to pounce on that. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's it's very important for us to be aware of that. And just like any other tactical threat, be aware of our weaknesses. And that's one of our weaknesses. When you are physically suffering, Satan has a door. So you have to really hold Christ up in front of you at that time. Another time he mentions here, and I really like this one, is, uh, and it's still staying with Matthew 4 here, Satan likes to attack you when you are alone. Yeah, he likes to isolate us. He likes to attack you when you are alone, when you are not with someone who is is holding you up. You know, Paul says, uh, let us not stop gathering together as some are are prone to do. That's one of the big blessings of being in a Christian community, in a Christian family, in a Christian church, Mm -hmm. is that everything you have is shared. Mm -hmm. So you share your burden, you share your cross, you, share, you lean on people when, they, when you need to lean and you hold them up when they need to lean on you. And when you're alone, by yourself, that's when Satan can really get in there. Isn't that, okay, when, we, when we're talking about a physical enemy, mm-hmm. like uh, as you as a cop or as a sure. soldier, isn't that often what a, a human enemy will do? Yeah. And that they'll try to isolate, uh, get people apart, because then you're weaker, right? Yes, um, it would do that in a military situation, but it's also when I'm teaching self-defense, and especially self-defense to women. That's one of the things we you, we talk about a lot. Don't put yourself in a situation where you would be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And the, the time you are vulnerable is when you're alone. Mm-hmm. If there's two or three people together, someone probably will not try and physically assault them because they're right. outnumbered. Right. Uh, and Jesus says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am too. And there's a reason for that. We are meant to be together spiritually. We are meant to be together in our faith. And Satan loves to separate people out. Hmm. Another thing one? yeah, mm-hmm. another thing we need to know about Satan is that 
he always comes back again and again and again. Yeah, he's not. He won't. He's give not going to say, "Oh well, I lost. I lost that time, so I'm never coming back." He's just going to keep coming back. Um, in Luke four thirteen, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Mm-hmm. He was coming back. He was just okay. I can't get it this time. I'll come back. You think of when I when I teach my self defense courses. A lot of times I talk about predators. Um, in the animal world mm-hmm. and the concept of a predator in an animal world where you're talking a wolf or a coyote or something like that, they go for the easy lunch. Mm. Mm-hmm. They look for the weakest link and that's what they're going to go for. They don't want a challenge. No. They want and- a lunch and Satan doesn't want a challenge. He just wants a victory. Yeah, and, and uh, they don't care which one they get. No. Like be, they just want one of them and if sure. it's the... The smallest or the weakest, why not? That's easy. And then they'll come back to that same herd and try and find another one. And, again, the concept with that predator is they're looking for weakness. They're looking for an opening. They're looking for someone not paying attention. And they are not looking for the biggest challenge. They're just looking for the one that they can get to quickly. Mm -hmm. And Satan, um, if he finds you in a strong point in your life where you can't be uh, well, you are so walking so close to God that He can't get to you. He's not going to try then. Yeah, he'll. But just the wait. minute your guard is down and something else happens in your life or something changes, mm-hmm. that's when He's going to get in. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we have to be. Uh, it's like it, uh, Peter said there in First Peter. It said, "Be sober, mm-hmm. sober-minded. Mm-hmm. Be aware of the fact that the threat exists. And Don't deny yeah. that the threat exists." And so many people like to deny that. Um, even in in uh, Christianity to, to today in the United States, there are a lot of people out there that don't like to talk about the brimstone part of of Christianity. Uh, they don't like to talk about hell. They don't like to talk about anything scary or nasty or bad. But folks, it's there's good and there's evil. Mm-hmm. It exists. Denying its existence does not mean it doesn't exist. Right. I can deny that something exists, but that's not. That doesn't mean that doesn't make it so, and in doing so, uh, you put yourself really at a vulnerable position because if you think he's not going to come after you, you're not going to be watching for him, mm-hmm. and he'll sneak in in one of these ways that we've talked about. I now, know. oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the other thing is, I don't remember what it was, but I remember sometime in the past where. I don't, we were having an attack. I don't. I don't even know what it was, but we were in the midst of it, and then all of a sudden, I realized this is spiritual warfare. We were being attacked by the enemy, and the mm-hmm. reason I didn't notice it at first because it was. It felt so personal. It mm. didn't feel like there was a. It just felt like it was these certain people. You know that it was just them attacking me. But really, when I noticed. It is going to be personal because he doesn't want you to notice him. He just wants you to notice the people he's using. Because then, if we're if we're looking at the wrong people, we just focused on the people that are being used in his attacks or whatever he's using. We're never going to get to the root thing. We're just right. gonna we're gonna think of these certain people as the enemies when in reality he's the enemy. Right. He doesn't care who he uses, he doesn't care any he If you think of think of Satan as a disease, he wants you to try and treat the symptoms and not yeah. the disease. Yeah. And the more you deal with symptoms and not the disease, 
the deeper the disease can set in, the more it can, the more uh, established it can be. And Satan loves to do that. He loves to separate us. He loves to separate people within a church, within a family, within a community, um, and cause emotional strife where people have hard feelings Mm -hmm. towards each other. We always have to remember that no matter what, God loved Judas. Yeah. Jesus loved Judas. Even though he knew Judas was going to betray him, and even though he knew Satan was going to get a hold of him, he still loved him. So if anyone is coming against you, and Jesus can love Judas, then why can't we love anyone, no matter what is happening, no matter how Satan is using them? We can't take it to the human level. No. We need to take it to the spiritual level. And that's, Mm -hmm. as Christians, I think that's, our awareness of the spiritual world has to be as strong as our awareness of the the physical world. Mm -hmm. We have to, because otherwise we will not see these spiritual attacks coming. And right, you know, that goes right to Ephesians. Mm -hmm. That one verse, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Um, Yeah, we don't. Yeah, oh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6.12. If we go all the way back to the beginning, we go back to Genesis, we see everything, sin was brought into the world, death was brought into the world, suffering was brought into the world. All of this came when Satan went to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. So, understanding that he is the father of all lies, a stealer and a destroyer, a murderer, a devouring lion, um, we have to... to, Actually, a roaring lion. A roaring lion. We have to respect him as the threat that he is. Mm -hmm. Now, that does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we have to be afraid of him. No, we don't have to be afraid of him at all. Tactically, when I was in situations either in the military or in law enforcement, where I knew there was a threat, it was easier for me to deal with. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a threat. Mm-hmm. I knew where it was coming. Like if you I, I know where a guy is right behind the door, right. he's not going to be able to get you. Well, so. and Jesus said, you know, if, if a strong man knew the thief was coming to his house that night, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's easy to defend if you know he's right. coming. So that's what we have to do. So we have to take a few things into mind, too. And Second uh, Timothy one seven says, For the Spirit of God gave us gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline so if the holy spirit is active in your life and working in your life you are not a timid person you are not afraid and you have nothing to fear from satan Mm -hmm. you just have to be walking walking in place uh in step with with christ and then you will be more powerful than satan can possibly imagine yeah he just wants to lie to you because he he knows that he knows with god he can't beat us at all. But if he, and Jesus calls him the thief in John ten ten. he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. That's what Satan's doing. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill from you, kill life out of you or, you know, whatever. And he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy everything. He, he can't take you away from God, but like Shannon said, he can destroy your witness he can get you afraid so that God can't use you. If you're so full of fear that God can't get through, we we can be our worst enemies. I mean, even yeah, we were not we were not meant to live with the spirit of fear. No, and through Christ, we do not have to anymore. And that obviously, without Jesus, I don't know. I, I would be living in a horrible place in my life if I'd have been alive right now. And 
we are not meant to live in a spirit of fear. Um, Joshua one nine is is my favorite. Oh, go ahead. That's that's one yeah, of that's my favorite life verses. There, yeah. have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love that that verse uh, for multiple reasons. One, he's reminding him. Have I already not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Now this. This, in context, in Joshua, this was right before they were going into battle. Yeah. And they were going into battle against what the world would have said were unwinnable odds and unwinnable um, capabilities. The Israelites were not trained warriors, and they had been wandering out in the desert so that they weren't well supplied or anything like that. And God says, you don't have to be. I am. Mm-hmm. Be strong and courageous, because I am with you. And then... Um Okay, I want to bring up 2 Timothy 3, 16 okay. and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is your sword. This is the weapon that you can fight Satan with. So you really need to study your word. Mm. Because if you don't know the word, I mean... Like Shannon brought up in Matthew 4, or Luke 4. I mean, Matthew 4, yep. Matthew 4. Mm-hmm. I think it's Luke 4, too. But anyway, uh, when he's out in the desert, in the wilderness, right. Satan even tries to use the word against the word of God. I mean, Jesus is the word of God. I mean, so that was he, crazy. Yeah, he tried to use the word against him just to trick him again with this twisted logic. And, and if he tries to use it against Jesus, you know he's going to try to use the word against any of us. And if we don't know the word, it, he can he could quote perfectly quote a verse in the bible but if he puts a little twist on it if he puts it out of context he could get us totally off track yeah it could easily lead someone astray that way and that's why not only do we need to read the word but we we need to go into the word in the spirit we need to let the holy spirit lead us in our study of the word and our reading of the word we cannot do this alone and that includes you know you could be um and there are many in the United States, some great theologian that knows chapter and verse of everything in the Bible and does not believe in anything. They do not have the Spirit within them. Uh, that does not make them uh, well-armed against Satan, and that does not no. have any effect on their life. And if that's, the, if that's the way the Bible is in your life, you're missing it. I do want to say, too, though, if you're listening to this and you have fallen prey to Satan... In some way, you've you've uh, you've lost a uh, a battle in the war. So what? Just get up. I mean, we all fail. I mean, it's just part of life. You know, you don't condemn yourself. You just say, "Hey, Jesus, bring me back up, and let's let's get back at it." You know, if 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 Satan tripped you up in the word, he used the word against you, or he he got you to doubt God's promises. Well, then just that's a lesson learned, and then you mm-hmm. can learn better and. You know what's that thing? If if you if you use your failures, they're actually successes. Yes, if you if you if you learn from a failure, then that was a success. Oh, there you failing go. forward. And if we look through, uh, especially the Old Testament, if we look through the Old Testament, all of the major patriarchs, everybody in there, messed up. Messed up. They they fell prey to weaknesses. You know, Moses said, I'm just not a good speaker. And when God was talking to him in a burning bush, instead of concentrating on what God was saying, he was trying He's to back excuses. out. Yeah. You know, Abraham denying that Sarah was his wife, David and Bathsheba. There's so many things. Uh, think it, speaking of David here, Psalm 23. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Mm-hmm. A valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I love that concept that David brings this for, brings this forward. And he was a shepherd. So think about that concept. He was a young man with a flock of sheep, which are the best animals for predators to eat because mm-hmm. they're not very Defenses. smart. They're easy to catch. Yeah. So he was out there trying to defend a flock of sheep in the darkest, scariest place. And he said, even when I'm in the darkest, scariest place on the earth, I am not afraid because you are with me. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to fear. We're not supposed to live in those kind of, in those, in that mindset. And if you do, that's Satan himself working on you. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid, that's him working on you. I mean, there's a, one of the things I did in the army was, um, psychological operations and one of the things that you do is you try and instill fear if people know you're there then you make them afraid of you and they can't fight back Mm. so the same thing happens satan is a is a loud banging gong that will distract you and and cause you to be overwhelmed and we're not meant to do that uh romans 8 38 39 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So at that point in time, when you read those things, nothing, neither angels nor demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God. If that's the case, if Satan has gotten in, rebuke him, get rid of Mm -hmm. him, get him out. Because God's just waiting for you to do that. He wants you to come back. Mm-hmm. It says, First uh, John four eighteen. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So, like, if you're afraid, just say, "Jesus, give me faith," or "I rebuke this fear." Or, God is always there to help. Or, if you don't know what to say, just say, "Help me, Jesus. I don't want to be afraid." I mean, there's no magic words. I mean, God is just right there, and just talk to Him. Um, or you know, just just be honest. He knows he knows what's going on anyway. Isaiah forty one ten. So do not fear, for I am with you. Mm-hmm. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Folks, God wants us with Him. He wants us close to Him. He will protect you. He will guide you. He will strengthen you. Um, we'll probably bring up Ephesians here and, and talk about the armor, but. God's intention is for us not to live a life of fear, but to live a life of victory. Mm -hmm. And that victory is a victory over Satan, over sin, over death, over all the things that can happen to us in this life that steal your joy and and, and steal your witness. All of those things, that's Satan's goal is to steal all those things away from us. And God Mm -hmm. says, you have no reason to lose them whatsoever because I am not going to let go of you. There is no, there is no fear. That's uh, our son in the background, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we're not in a barn. <laughs> and Jesus, even in Matthew, even the fear of death should not be something that that affects a Christian. Jesus said, "Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Mm-hmm. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell." Mm-hmm. We are not meant to live in live in a in a state of panic. Or a state of fear. We're not meant to be bunkered up and hidden away somewhere. We're meant to be out there worshiping God, praising God, 
telling people about God, saving the rest of the world. We need to go out there and do our jobs. And if we worry about the enemy stopping us, we're not going to get our job done. However, that doesn't mean you're not careful. Right, be careful. When I was in law enforcement and when I was in the military, um, if I was in a situation where I was working, I would put on layers of protection. There were certain things you did every day, Mm -hmm. layers of protection you would put on before you would go out and do your job. And those layers... um, Helmet. You would have a helmet on if you were in in the military. Uh, You'd have a vest on. You'd put on a belt that handled all your gear. You would carry carry an offensive weapon with you, a a firearm of some sort, knives, um, batons, pepper spray, tasers, I mean, all sorts of things. We took all these things with us, not because we planned on using them, but because if it was eventual that it had to happen, we would be ready for it. So the thought was, the thought is that if this happens, I have what I need to handle it. Mm-hmm. So look up the, the uh, full armor of God for me, if you would. Mm-hmm. I was just there. Ephesians, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no matter what's going on, we have no reason to fear it, but we do need to respect the threat that mm-hmm. exists. Okay. Ephesians 6. So we're going to go real quickly through Ephesians 6 here. Okay. Therefore, it starts in 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Okay, so. And having done everything, to stand firm. There you go. We're supposed to stand firm. We're not supposed to run away and hide. Mm -hmm. We are to stand firm. And this is the way we do that is to put on the armor of God. Go on. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Good. Okay, so right now we've covered armor. So we have a shield, we have um, boots, we have the the greaves, the shin guards, we have um, all of those things are defensive things. The breastplate. The breastplate. Uh, just like a bulletproof vest. They're all defensive things. They're all things to protect you from attacks. Mm-hmm. The shield especially. I love all the flaming arrows. Yeah. Those are all meant to defend you. Right. But that's not all he gives us. No. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you take nothing else away from this concept of, of tactical Christianity, take that with you. The sword is an offensive weapon. You block with the shield, you strike with the sword. If Satan is coming at you, you block with the shield, you strike with the sword, and the sword is the word of God. And the shield's faith. Your faith will keep you from being uh, injured, but the, the sword, the word of God, will chase the enemy away from you. Mm-hmm. You're not good. just going to stand there being attacked and being attacked and being attacked, but you can chase him off with the word of God. God is with us wherever we go. And if we use if we use his word and we call upon the spirit and in that uh, in that case, draw that sword. I used to love doing that when we had Awana with the kids. We always had a, a challenge at the end of every Awana class where the kids had their own Bibles. They had to bring a Bible to class. And this was the fifth graders. And they had to look up a verse. Mm-hmm. 
we'd say, draw your swords. They know to get their Bible out. And then we'd give them the verse and they'd be flipping through as fast as they could to try and find it. And they'd stand up and say it. I love that concept of draw your sword, draw your sword. Mm -hmm. Have it at hand, ready to go at any given time. When I put on my duty gear or when I went out in the military, my weapon was clean. My weapon was well oiled. It was loaded. It was exactly where it needed to be if I needed it in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I checked that. I took care of my weapon. I practiced with it. I did all those kind of things in the event that someday I might have to use it. The same thing goes with the Word of God. The Bible sitting next to your bed or sitting on a shelf in your house does absolutely no good if you don't open it. You could throw any book at, at, at somebody and try and defend yourself. That's not how that works. You have to open it up, and within the, in the Spirit, you need to read the Word, and you need to sharpen that sword. You need to sharpen that sword to the point where the minute that thing comes out, Satan runs. So this guy knows what he's doing with it. i got to mm-hmm. get away from this one. This is not the weak sheep. This is not the injured one. This isn't the soft target. I need to run. This is a sheep with a cape. <laughs> we, need to, we need to be ready, willing, and able to defend our faith, to defend ourselves against the attack of Satan at all times. And that's, that's the concept of our tactical Christianity. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye.